Welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath, and today I'm joined by Sam. Hello. Lindsay. Hi. And Donald. Hello. We are looking at the whole area of self-esteem. Enjoy our conversation. So we're looking at the whole subject of self-esteem, uh, and it's great to have uh, Lindsay and Sam with Donald and I. Donald, it's wonderful to have you as well here this evening. Uh, Lindsay, let's just crack off uh, with you. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name's Lindsay, and I've been coming to this church, I think, for probably 14 years, 15 years, something like that. Um, by day, I am a mentor, educator, supervisor, and help basically other people with their well-being, particularly focusing on mental health and well-being, uh, but in quite an educational role. So I do have the privilege of sitting with people most days of the week, uh, listening to their stuff and helping them get unstuck, really. So... You are brilliant at all of these things. We regularly have you at Cafe Church. Uh, you come along and you talk about all of these kind of things. Uh, and I think you're such a fantastic communicator. A lot of what you says comes from your heart and from your life experience. And so I am delighted that you're here tonight. You've got a wealth of experience. Uh, and so thank, thank you, you for giving up the time and coming. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And Sam, really grateful. Same with you. I know that this is a subject that's uh, close to your heart that you've uh, experienced. Just again, uh, remind folks who you are and what you do. Yes, yeah, so I'm Sam. Um, I've worked for the church here now for, I think it's nearly 10 years. Um, and uh, that's been in uh, capacity of being a youth worker, working with the young people, uh, mainly 11 to 18 year olds. So have kind of fairly regular experience of dealing with self-esteem issues and talking to young people regularly about kind of just life really and everything mm. that happens in it mm. again delighted that you're here you were here at a panel we had uh, a couple of months ago looking yep. at social media uh, and i'm still off facebook and i'm still off instagram <laughs> because i watched the program that you yeah. encouraged us to watch really really helpful so again just grateful guys for giving out your time and donald it is just fantastic to have you here with us this <laughs> evening i can't tell you what a privilege it is to be in the same room with you with your wisdom and your skill and everything else uh, for those of you that may be wondering, uh, at the beginning of this, when we were live, I forgot to welcome Donald. Uh, so I'm feeling a little bit guilty. So Donald, fine, great fine. to have you here with us. Good. The sincerity is there. <laughs> I, I mean that. It's coming from my heart. I've got a question to ask all of us to begin with. And um, the question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, can you rate your self-esteem in the past... So what was it like in the past and what is it like today and right now? So I'm going to start with you, Lindsay. So a number from zero to ten, what was your self-esteem like in the past? It's a really movable feast. So if I go to my lowest past, yep. probably a three. Right, a three out yeah, of ten. a Gosh. three. Gosh. And today there's some contextual governing factors in this very moment, but probably around about seven, eight. Great. See, it's interesting, uh, and I think we'll see this with Sam as well. Look at you and you think, Lindsay, you're just really self-assured. You've got it all together. I can't believe you would ever be a three. But that's so, so interesting. Sam, what about you? What would you say at your lowest point in the past? I mean, yeah, really similar, actually. I think thinking about this question, it's exactly what Lindsay just said, how much it moves over time and in different circumstances and different situations. But I think at my lowest in my past, I put three or a four. Mm -hmm. Um, so somewhere around, around there. Mm -hmm. And today, um, 
again, it's very movable week <laughs> by week. <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, on a good day, um, I would say, yeah, eight, seven yeah. or eight. Yeah. yeah. And how often is a good day? Um, <laughs> it changes a lot. And I think I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on. But I think um, just depending on all sorts of different factors, um, people that you're with, the things that are going on, how stressful things are at mm -hmm. that time, how well my kids are behaving mm. can have an impact, <laughs> those types of things. So I think it, all sorts of things can affect it. I would say now, um, compared to my teenage years, let's say, good days come far more often than they yeah. used to, I would say, yeah, definitely. Great. Donald, what would you say? What would be in your past your, your lowest point with your self-esteem? I think I'm probably unusual and probably fairly lucky in that I think I never go very low or very high. I think I always range somewhere between five and seven. Okay. That may sound really weird. I think I'm very fortunate in that how I perceive my self-esteem doesn't affect my life very mm -hmm. much in terms of how I what, how, the, how other people see me. Mm -hmm. But internally, I never think I'm more than a seven. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I've been, by the grace of God, not had to, to really deal with the threes and the fours. So I'm fairly... Quite consistent. Consistently yeah. in the middle is how I would see myself. Okay, mm -hmm. that's quite, that's good. I would say for me, I'm probably like you guys, I would say at my lowest was possibly even a two, two to three. And then I would say today, seven. But again, it's the same as you guys, it's movable. So some days I might find it's a five or a six, but generally I'm about a seven. I'm okay with life. But the times when I wasn't, it was no fun at all, as we will uh, explore as we go on. Now, Lindsay, we thought it would be really helpful to begin with to just unpack some of the phrases that we use around all of this, because they're quite interchangeable, mm -hmm. but they mean slightly different things. So could you unpack for us just definitions for self-esteem, self-worth and self-image, because they're all caught up in all of this? Yeah, they are. And I'm happy to give my take on it yep. um, and that everybody will have maybe different views on this. But I would sort of categorise, whilst they're all in the same ballpark, I would say that self-esteem is really more connected to the thoughts mm -hmm. and, and how we listen to those, uh, the content and quality of those thoughts. Self-value, self-worth mm -hmm. would be more of maybe a, a value on mm -hmm. ourselves. And self-image would be the sort of total view mm -hmm. of us um, and, and what we want to portray to other people perhaps as well. So I think they are all in the same arena. But uh, I find it very helpful because for me, a particular defining point was when I realised that my self-worth was something I could work on mm -hmm. quite separately to my self-esteem. There was less mm -hmm. control over that. Mm -hmm. So I'll talk about that in a bit as well. And mm -hmm. so getting us to give ourselves a score out of 10 is an unhelpful thing when we're looking at this, isn't it? Yeah, I think we all felt that. I think that sort of was <laughs> like, ooh, giving myself a number, giving myself a worth. And yeah, it's, it is changeable. And it, there's something nice to hear that when none of us are sat here saying tonight we're a 10, you know? Yeah. Um, again, I'll touch on that later, looking more s specifically at self-worth. But self-esteem, I think if we can sort of just understand that that's maybe the way that we respond and chat to ourselves mm. about being us. And, and our sort of 
Does, does that make sense? Yeah. So just, kind of the internal conversation yeah, that, that goes dialogue, on in your mind. That dialogue that yeah. just in the way that we either can bounce it off some days, other days it just damages and, mm. and, and scars. Mm. Yeah. So for many people, they do experience low self-esteem. Mm. I mean, the three of us have talked about mm. it, um, being threes and, and, and what mm. have you in the unhelpful way to give ourselves a number. Lindsay, what would you say are some of the characteristics of somebody that has low self-esteem? Off the top of my head, and then I do happen to have a little list as well. But <laughs> yeah, there's just loads, actually. I think initially people that won't... Um, stand up for themselves, people that won't speak out um, for themselves, people that won't say yes, mm. um, people that will avoid rather than engage. Mm. Um, and it's really what they hear when they look in the mirror, what mm. they hear when they step on a set of weighing scales, mm. um, lack of boundaries. Mm. There can be all sorts of stuff around actual eating disorders and body dysmorphia, this, this relationship we've got with being us. Um, but it can also be people pleasing, mind reading, saying yes to things and only for those reasons to try and give our egos a little pop and, and bring ourselves up a score or two mm. uh, for short term gain. Um, mm. So I think they're sort of all quite symptomatic of low self-esteem, but it can be completely invisible. Mm. I think maybe this is a bit more of my story, but it can be well masked mm -hmm. and inside you're on this treadmill of doing things because you feel you ought to mm. or you feel that somebody's expecting that of you or something um, mm. and not from a place of authentic gifting and releasing to mm -hmm. do it. And how easy is it to identify those things in ourselves? I mean, we'll come on to talk about how we mask them. But maybe this, there are people sitting out there tonight thinking, hold on a minute, does it take a little bit of uh, self-analysis? Yeah, down a bit of self-awareness, a bit of listening out to the thought content um, to maybe theme it and categorise it. Oh, that's the same old story, that one that says you can't do it, the one that you, you're going to be found out, the imposter syndrome, any of its relatives that hang around. But mm. that sort of, yeah, it'll just be today that someone will tap me on the shoulder and say you shouldn't be doing what you're doing mm. um, and and tuning into that fully and behaving mm. Mm. in response to that that mm. stuff still visits but mm. it doesn't hang around it doesn't get the airplay it used to get do any of you remember getting coming to a point of recognizing actually this is an issue because i think for me i went through many years this was just my normal life Mm. I'd, I'd got it becomes so ingrained in me to think this way that I didn't I didn't know to think any differently if that makes sense do you remember a point of realization hold on something isn't right here I think I did definitely yeah I think I so I was just listening to Lindsay then I can definitely resonate with becoming a lot more self-aware over the last sort of 15 years of my life, mm. like listening to myself. And I think probably in my late teens, I realised that the way that I felt about myself, I think Lindsay mentioned people pleasing there and, and that kind of me being so bothered about what people thought about me and having such a negative view of what people thought about me, kind of thought this isn't the way to mm. live properly. Like this isn't, this isn't a healthy way to live. Um, and from then on, it's been a real journey, like we said at the beginning of ups and downs, but definitely at that point was, yeah, was that kind of realisation of this isn't, 
this isn't healthy to think this way about yourself, mm. definitely. Mm. Lindsay, have there been any specific examples in your life where you look back and think a lack of, a low self-esteem has stopped me doing things I've wanted to do? Well, yeah, you were party to it, really. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it seems a long time ago. It probably was closer to 10 years ago, but you started to invite me to do things, and I was just met with this barrage of reasons why I couldn't do it. Um, and you did that smile, and you just <laughs> sort of stayed persistent. And I just noticed that the, the lack of um, self-belief and the doubts and the avoidance and the desire to just hide. Um, and it, I noticed the energy drain on that. I noticed um, the negative self-talk. So you provoked it. And then I kind of had to either shut you up somehow permanently. <laughs> I couldn't think of a legal way to do that. Um, or I had to consider afresh actually what what God has given me mm. and, and when to use it and how to use it and to do it for him and not and not for you, frankly, but just <laughs> to do it for him. Um, so, yeah, and uh, having invitations in work as well where I would say, oh, no, that, that, that's um, not me or, or worse, going, going through with something that didn't feel authentically right to do it and mm. feeling like a robot doing mm. it. Mm. So. I think for me, there, there have been times when uh, my self-esteem in the past has meant that I've not felt I've had the right to express how I'm feeling, which sounds funny because I do a lot of talking, um, but not to actually say I'm hurt or I'm angry or I'm upset. I used to just bottle all of that thinking my opinion isn't valid. Mm. Uh, and so I just wouldn't express an opinion you could probably tell by the look on my face what I was thinking but it would just stop me being authentic and real and that's still something I think I struggle with if I feel hurt I find that hard to feel I have the right to say that that why should anybody else want to listen to me about why I've been hurt if I'm angry at something, I find that far easier to express, probably in a more unhelpful way. I mean, Donald, you've probably <clears throat> been on the end of some of my uh, frustrations and you've just calmly smiled and let me vent. It's very good at that. And just that look on your face of listening, but it's not affecting you is, is really, really helpful. Um, and I think as well for me, uh, resonating what you've talked about, Lindsay, not feeling gifted or able to do anything public, any public speaking, just thinking I've got nothing to say, I've got nothing to offer. Uh, and my response would be no, uh, I, I, I come up with a million excuses as to why I couldn't do it. Mm. Have there been other things that you felt that you've not done because of your self-esteem, Sam? I think there's definitely been things I've been really hesitant to do. Um, I would say I've, I've had a really interesting kind of like talking about self-awareness a second ago, I think I, through many good friends, I mean, like you're just talking about Donald there and listening and, and being there, through, through many good friends and many sort of honest conversations and also my mum and dad really just listening to me and, to, and talking to me when I felt at low points and I met with Lindsay for a bit as well and I talked to Lindsay a lot and that was really, really helpful. Um, just, just throughout my life. I, and I think I've definitely noticed... Um, 
yeah, in, in those moments, the, the helpfulness of having those conversations and how much more self-aware it, it, it's made yeah. me. Um, and I think I remember when I started at Bible College, which is quite a long time ago now, I can remember a really good friend of mine, really close friend of mine, Carl, uh, when me and him, before me and him knew each other, um, we, um, we remember both looking at each other and thinking in, in that moment that we really wouldn't get on with each other <laughs> for different <laughs> reasons. And he, he told me, and he's, he's one of my best friends now, and we have really open and really honest conversations. He remembers uh, feeling like, he looked at me and he remembers thinking um, that I was quite arrogant, that I was very full of myself, and I was very self-confident. And actually, for me, in that moment, in that environment, being in a new place, it was totally the opposite of that for me. I was being shy. I was being yeah. really reserved. He actually really looked at it as kind of like a standoffish, kind of like... Um, but actually, for me, having that conversation... And I'm not saying any of this stuff for pity or any of those <laughs> reasons, but actually having that conversation really helped me realise that actually that can sometimes be the way that that comes across yeah. to people. Yeah. And actually that me being shy and not wanting to be... Uh, up front and do things like that um, comes comes across in in a certain way, and I've definitely um, definitely recognised that. And another thing I remember um, many many years ago uh, listening to a bloke called Mike Pilavachi. Some people will know who Mike Pilavachi is. He leads um, a church called Soul Survivor um, down in Watford by London, and um, he um, I remember him talking about his self esteem and how. Um, he felt um, about himself. And I remember resonating with that so strongly. It was the first time I'd ever felt like I'd heard somebody talk about how I'd felt. Um, and it, I remember it... So, so for me, a lot of my self-esteem affects how I am, I think, in social situations. The way that people think about me, I feel like people don't like me very much. I tend to be very, very negative about how people view me. So that affects how I am in social situations. I think it stops me from, from doing certain things uh, sometimes. But I remember Mike talking, he'd, he'd been, he, he flies all around the globe doing all sorts of different things. And he'd been on a trip to South Africa and he came back to his church, which he leads, he's the leader of that church. And he came back and he remembers seeing some of his interns and some of his staff talking in, in the corner um, after he'd returned. And he remembers thinking in his head in that moment, they don't want me to be here. Gosh. They've had a better time without me. Now that I'm back, they're going to have a worse time. And I remember feeling like that hit me like a ton mm. of bricks. And I remember thinking, that's how I feel. I enter a room and I feel like I am bringing, and again, I'm not saying any of this for pity's sakes or anything. I'm just wanting to, I suppose, be open mm. and honest about how I feel in the hope that if anybody else has ever felt like this, to know that it's not how you should feel because yeah. it's not true. Um, you know, none of this is true, it's all lies. But that I would enter a room and I would feel like th the people in this room are now going to have a worse time because I'm here. They're looking at me and thinking, well, you're not a good person, you're this, you're that. And actually, I think that stops me from sometimes being myself mm -hmm. in situations. I feel like I perhaps need to be somebody different. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. But that, like, as I said, the last few years have definitely been a, a journey. I think, of self-awareness, like I said, with my friend Carl, and I've had all sorts of different experiences where people have said, oh, I, I felt like this about you when I met you, and then I got to know you, and, and, and all those types of things. It's just been a journey of self-awareness, really, and, and, and learning how I feel about myself, how other people view me, 
and, and just having good friends that I can have open and honest conversations with. But I'll talk about that a bit later as well. So, but yeah. It's interesting. We're all talking about the messages that are going on in our yeah. minds, that we are overthinking it. We're thinking about what they're thinking and we're putting on to them not the truth. Mm. The, these damaging yeah, thoughts. I came, I came across a lovely quote and I think it, I could just hear this peppered through what you've just mm. said, but silence, solitude and judgment create shame and shame kills self-esteem. Gosh, do you want to and just say that again? That's brilliant. Silence, solitude and judgment create shame and shame kills self-esteem. Yeah. And that the silence of being alone with your thoughts yeah. and the solitude, you know, the, 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 because nobody hears them and the solitude yeah. of not sharing that with anybody else and the judgment that's allowed yeah. to kick in that just brings this sort of whole greenhouse of shame. Yeah which is a very antidote to ever wanting to be you and mm -hmm. go out there and do your stuff for the world mm -hmm. in your way. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. Mm, that Fab. So we've explored a little bit about the issues that the three of us have uh, and what low self-esteem looks like. Donald, can you begin to talk about what does a healthy self-esteem look like? What do you think that, how, how does it manifest in a person's life? I think, uh, I think it's the opposite kind of, so in one way, these guys have said it all. I mean, I think um, it's really, I don't want to come across like I, I don't have self-esteem issues. One of the things, I, if, we, if I can just talk about me for a moment, one of the things that, that I've been thinking a lot about in the last month, because there's a lot of banter in our team about how I like to be alone and I don't like social events, or parties or whatever, and I try to work that out because I do like being with people, and I try to work out. And, and just when you, what you were saying about going into a room and thinking everybody doesn't want me here, yeah. I don't think that. I, my problem is I go into a room and think everybody's looking at me to fix it and make it funny and make mm. it work and make this good, and I can't do that. So I, I find that immense pressure. Mm. And maybe that's just a freaky thing with me, but I feel in every social interaction, Donald needs to fix this. Donald needs to make this fun. Donald needs to make this entertaining. Donald makes, needs to make this party swing. And I think everybody's looking at me to say something all the time. And I find that pressure immense. Mm -hmm. So I just relax when I, I'm on my own and nobody's saying, Say something, Donald. Mm. Say something wise. Say something funny. So um, maybe my I do have self-esteem issues. It just manifests itself mm. in a different way. It's still that mind reading, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. It is this pressure to fix things. Mm. Mm. So I think, to me, healthy self-esteem, I, I jot down about six things. Most of them, really, I think Lindsay said. It's just the opposite. But I think two I draw out really key ones at the moment. One is that you feel very confident in your gifting, in your calling, who you are, how God has made you, and you know what it is you're good at, and you know what it is you're bad at. Mm -hmm. You're able to say no to the things you're bad at, and you're able to say yes to the things you're good at, and mm -hmm. you just say, this is the shape in the body of Christ that God has mm -hmm. made me. And poor self-esteem is when either you say yes to a load of things that you're not good at, or you say no to a load of things that you are good at. And mm -hmm. actually to be able to say, this is how God has made me and it's okay. It's okay to be mm -hmm. good and it's okay to be bad. I think that's really help healthy. And I think the second biggie is to be able to accept that you're loved. Mm. And 
to particularly be able to accept that God loves us and mm-hmm. that we are valuable, we are precious, we are called, we are gifted, we are wanted, mm-hmm. we are needed mm-hmm. in the kingdom of yeah. God. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the two biggies. Alongside that then comes a third, less biggie for me, but a big thing is to be free from envy, mm-hmm. is to be just pleased when other people do well. Yeah. And to rejoice with those who rejoice, and to weep with those who weep rather than gloat, mm. and to be able to say, "I'm really sorry that hasn't worked out for you," rather than, "I'm really glad mm. that's messed up yeah. for you." Mm. Um, so those are the three that come to mind. I'll just look and see if there's anything I really wanted to say. I guess the last one would be to be able to move forward. And I think this is the area where I struggle the most. So I, I find that I can do things. I can, but I don't sleep well, or it takes me a while to get to sleep, and I'll go over what I've said. I'll, nothing, things don't stop me doing stuff. It's that I then think a lot about it mm-hmm. and go over it. And I guess the healthy self-esteem is to be able to leave yesterday, yesterday, mm. and to look forward to tomorrow. I guess those are the four-ish things I'd, I'd draw out. Do you think you can have too healthier, healthy self-esteem when it becomes unhealthy? I was thinking about this. I think that pride and arrogance is a sign of poor self-esteem, actually. So I don't think you can be too healthy. I think if you're in the middle, there is a humility that you are able to say, I'm not good at that, and I don't need to pretend that I am. Mm -hmm. And I am good at this, and I don't need to brag, Mm -hmm. and I don't need to push other people down, and I don't need to be the best, and Mm -hmm. I don't need to humiliate other people. For me, arrogance, pride, the, the pushing somebody down, the drawing attention to yourself, the needing to be better than other people. That's not healthy self-esteem. That's pretty rubbish self-esteem. That's pretty messed up self-esteem and damaging. It's interesting because uh, we come across some people that really want to get involved in different ways in doing things in the life of the church. And there are some that are very pushy about it. Um, I have to do this, I'm called to do this, this is my thing, let me do it. And you're... How, how do you react to those people, Donald? <laughs> <laughs> I like to, to give people time in our churches to be. Yeah. And uh, to get involved, but without having to have responsibility, when we talk about at least a year of just being... And I think where people find it hard to just be involved and help with little things, but not to have a title or yeah. a role or a position that's noticed, mm. I think they just got to suck it up and learn. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it, hard. It is easy, isn't it, for ego to be involved? Yes. Mm. And ego's inflated, you know, puffed up, and it's mm. deflated with... A, a bad comment or a lack of opportunity to serve as well. So I think it's quite actually it's quite a good testing point to say wh- where there's ego around, you're likely to feel hurt about that stuff more mm. um, than if it's a servant approach as to mm. am I needed now for this mm. in this moment. But the more someone says I need to do something, the less I feel confident about them doing it. Mm. Mm. 
I think as well, the more secure you are in who you are, and the first thing that you were talking about, what God is asking you to do, the more able you are to cheer everybody else on mm-hmm. and release everybody else mm-hmm. um, and see their potential and think, I want you to thrive. I don't have to be the big I am or whatever. Actually, you see the best in everybody else, but you need to sort yourself out first. So I think the whole ego, the whole thinking of yourself more highly than you ought, as the Bible would talk about, is really unhelpful. It may seem to everybody else, oh, they've got it sorted. They've got this great self-esteem. Well, actually, they haven't. There's a lot going on beneath the surface. So I think when we find a place of comfortableness in who we are, I think it's then that we find it easier to find our place and to serve and to say yes. Has that been your experience, Sam? Has there been things in your life where you felt, actually, this is me, this is what I am called to do? Yeah, absolutely, definitely. It's, it's interesting it's talking about like having a good self-esteem. The thing that I wrote down when I was thinking through that was actually playing sport. And when I actually feel um, at my most confident, but I think for years, what Donald was just talking about then, the story in my life was, what, what Donald was just talking about, I felt like I needed to prove myself so much in that area because I was struggling in other areas. So it was mm. like, because I'm good at this, I need to prove that I'm so good at this mm. that because this is going to fill in the gaps. And it, well, it never does. Yeah. And, and I found it, I mean, after I became a Christian uh, in sort of my late teenage years, that was when my self-esteem started to, to change for me and a lot of what Donald's just talked about I'll talk about it again in a little bit but that was when it really changed for me and I think doing stuff in church for me just being honest and open again is, is, is a real mixed bag sometimes I feel very much like this is me this is what I'm supposed to be doing this is my purpose this is what I was made for this is what I was and sometimes I feel like everybody's looking at me. Mm. Everybody's thinking, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. And again, those are the voices in my head that are, I know them to not be true. It doesn't make them any less <laughs> difficult yeah. when they come up. But, you know, and I think there are definitely times where I feel like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's just for me a learning curve of when we go back to thinking about the sports stuff for me not letting it border into, right, I've got to prove myself in this. I've really got to make sure I'm better than everybody else. I've got to make sure I'm not going to that unhealthy side, but actually, like, just be content in who I am, what I was made for, Mm. Um, and and doing things that, yeah, are within my gifting and not trying to be somebody that I'm not because I feel like I need to prove myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's brilliant. Lindsay, what about you? Have there been times when you just thought, this is me? Yeah, and I think that we've actually been given bodies that if we can listen in properly, we'll get a feeling of this is me in flow. I feel I'm in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. And so I've learned to really trust that intuition a lot more of being able to be released into that. Um, Donald used the word shape there, and that was an acronym I learned years ago, and it completely resonated with me that if I could just know my strengths, my heart... So my my value system, my strengths, my heart, my aptitude or abilities, my personality and my experience. And if I could pull those things together and just see that I have been given those things for a reason, then yeah. I will be a good fit in in those things. So I found my way in in terms of public speaking. I've got favoured 
versions of that um, and then I've got new experiences that I'm okay I'll just say yes I'll try and I'll just mm -hmm. see how that sits with me um, but I know I'm most comfortable one-to-one -one with people and going on a journey where I spend time with them week on week and see transformation um, and that brings me alive I get absolute um, full life from those even you know difficult situations mm -hmm. But there'll be other things where I'll just hold it lightly and say, just like a piece of a jigsaw, I'll have a go at putting that piece in. I'm not going to ram it in. I'm not going to think I'm not shaped like the other pieces. Yep. I'll just say it's not my jigsaw. Yep. <laughs> this is my piece, but it's not my jigsaw. Yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful. That's mm. really good. I mean, talking about giving life, Donald, uh, preaching, mm. teaching God's word is something that you feel God's called you to and brings you alive and gives you life. Would that be a correct... You're looking at me like I'm talking... Yeah, I'm wondering <laughs> what the question's going to be. No, I'm just... Just talk a little bit about that. Talk about the, the areas in your life where you think, this, this, this sets me on fire. This actually is where I'm supposed to be doing the right yes. thing. And I feel a sense of... Like Lindsay was talking about being energised. Just that, yes, this is me. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly what, what Lindsay said. I, I think that... There is also within me quite a key moment for me. Two, two things are really, really helpful. And, and one was that I had somebody who really, two or three people who really, really believed in me and encouraged me. And I think one of the things will come up at the end maybe about how we grow it is find the people who are really, really helpful. Yeah. And I had, I had some people very, very significant who really encouraged me. And the second thing that was really helpful was I came to a point, I tried to copy every other preacher at the time, and I came to a point of thinking, I don't have to be the best preacher in the world, I just have to be good enough for the people in the room. Mm. And that was a liberating thing. I don't think I'm a very good preacher. I don't think I'm that good. And on the internet, there's loads of better people. You know, you can watch far, far better preachers. I just have to be the person that, Sutton Coalfield Baptist Church needs in 2021 and I don't want to be anything other than who Sutton Coalfield Baptist Church needs at this moment and that was really helpful recognition that I'm not trying to be better than anybody else, I'm not trying to be the best, I'm just being the shape that I am and I'm not good at a load of other things and that's why we work in teamwork, that's why we you know, that's quite liberating to say, I can do this, my bit of the puzzle, and I can't do a load of other things, so, so I need these other people around me. And I don't have to be the best there ever has been. I just have to be good enough for the people in the room. And that's much more liberating for me. I don't know if that's the question you're asking. Yeah, so, so think back to the... The good old days when we could have people in the room and uh, you were standing in front of 300 people here and preaching. What's going through your head? Is it all those negative things? Are you thinking they're bored, they've fallen asleep, they think I'm not spiritual? Or is there something else going on in your head or are you not thinking at all? There's a bit of that. Yeah. There's a bit of that. Um, some, it depends. Some days there's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, most... When, it, when, when things are in a good place, there is, I just love this scripture and I want to help people understand it. Yep. There's a verse in the Bible that's really been foundational for me. 
in Jeremiah, where Jeremiah says, if I, uh, he says to God, you deceived me, I'm going to shut up. I'm not going to say anything more, because every time I say anything, it goes wrong. That's a paraphrase of the passage. But then he says, but if I say I won't speak your word, it becomes a fire in me, and I cannot hold it in, and I have to say it. Uh, we've talked about this before. I had an experience in, when I left college where people said, you're not fit for ministry, don't do it. And it was a fire in me, and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And, and most Sundays, I wake up early. I don't want to come to church. I don't want to speak in front of people. I'm too embarrassed. I know it's not going to be very good. And then I look, and the passages is on fire. I've got to just bring this scripture for people because it's so important in people's lives. And that's, I'm really, really fortunate and blessed that the call, the, the, the thing that I think God has made me to do just keeps pushing Mm. And I know that people say, well, we're not preachers. But if you feel you've got a call to mentor people who are struggling with with low self-esteem or you've got a call to help young people or you've got a a, a call to help the unchurched understand Christianity, Mm. when you know what that is, you've got a call to help people in school and education, you've got a call to help people in work, in your office, you've got a call to be something in your family that blesses mm. whatever the call is i believe everyone is called if you can find that it will drive you over the self-esteem issues i think but it's interesting we're all saying that every day we're not on a high we're not on a, oh i'm feeling great today that it is quite fluid mm-hmm. is that we've we've got a higher base level probably now than we did back then but it's not every day that we jump out of bed. Oh, today's a fantastic day. I've got this wonderful opportunity. I don't want people to think that I'm like that because I'm not. You know, there are days when you're in bed thinking, I don't want to face today. I don't want to go and preach or do whatever it is. I just can't face it. And that's normal. That's part of life. That doesn't mean to say we've gone 100 steps backwards. It just means we're human. But it's the actually getting out of bed and saying, and yet, God, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to do this, and together, us and God and those cheering us on, we get to do it. It's not something that stays at a high woo the whole time, Lindsay, is it? No, it's, it's balancing that humanity yeah. with possibility still yeah. and growth. Mm. And accepting, I think, to pick up what Donald said there, is um, you know, accepting that you're a work in progress. And I, th- I think there'll be a lot of people that would say, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what my calling yeah. is. Well, can you just get comfortable with being that uncomfortable can you get used to being uncomfortable mm-hmm. can you stay curious about being and and say that i want an appetite to find that and i'll yeah. take my time i'll take my life maybe to find yeah. out what it is yeah but i'll just keep gently pushing doors i'll keep gently offering out and listening to mm-hmm. that shape of me Mm. to see whether it's a fit rather than I have to be sewn up, I have to be together. Mm. I think that's the curse of, of being alive mm. at the moment is that yeah. we have to be Instagram ready. Yes. Yeah. Many of us are not Instagram ready, <laughs> including Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> she most certainly wasn't. Okay, on that bombshell of Kim Kardashian, I've got a question in. I have no idea what that's about, but never mind. Oh, no, I don't either, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was nodding along. So a picture of Kim Kardashian has appeared on the uh, on Instagram where it hadn't been filtered or anything had done been done to it. It's just a, someone had just taken a picture and put it on there and they've tried everything to get it off the internet because it's not how she wants to look. It's not with the filters and with everything. It's just like she looks like a normal person. 
and she's not a normal person. She's obviously... Mm. Oh, I can't believe you don't know that, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Donald. OK, so we've got an anonymous question. Do you think low self-esteem can become a habit? You accept it? To break the negative thought cycle takes a lot of motivation, help to change persistence. I sometimes feel that I am used to feeling low. It is the state I have experienced most and is comforting in a way that I don't need to put myself out there. So to work on it feels like a big investment. And then they say, God forgot about me when he was dishing out callings. The pot was empty. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> Who yeah. would like to pick up on that? I think for me, it becoming a habit, I think is definitely something. And, and just, I think what uh, the person's touched on there is it, it becoming like a comfort kind mm -hmm. of almost in a way. And I can definitely resonate with, with that in my life because I think dealing with it is difficult. Mm -hmm. I think in, if, for some people, I think actually tackling some of these things in our lives isn't easy and it brings up stuff sometimes mm -hmm. that we you know it's just difficult to deal with and I think for that reason it can be quite easy to keep going mm -hmm. in the same way because it's comfortable and it's the same and I think particularly negative thought cycles for me I'm quite um, a negative person I'm quite pessimistic that's my tendency and I, and I often find I'm very self-critical and I'm very, I'll beat myself up. Oh, why did I say that then? Why did I, you know, if, if, I, if I've preached or something like that, talking mm -hmm. about Donald thinking about that, you know, like, why did I say that then? Why did I do that? Why couldn't I have done that? And I think the habit of that, that definitely becomes a habit mm -hmm. and it definitely becomes something that I will do almost whatever I do because it just, it's, it's what I'm like. And breaking out of that is very, very difficult. Um, but I think for me, and, and again, probably going to touch on this in a sec, just God's purpose in my life and, and God's value on me and who God says I am, um, working towards feeling more like that is so much healthier mm. and better for me. But it, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy when it's a habit. Mm. It's, it's difficult. Mm. That's excellent, Sam. Mm. Mm. Anyone, anything else to add to that? I'd agree, it's definitely a habit. Um, and as to why, I think it, anything around our identity is massive to work on. So it's easier to accept that we are who we are and we haven't got a calling. Um, and that we are stuck with this negative thought pattern and we don't know how to get out of it. Um, so I think just to sort of really take notice of the fact that that's comfortable if and familiar and wherever mm. it's familiar it's going to feel comfortable mm. um but if there's an appetite there and, and just an, an ounce of curiosity that says but god's not finished with me yet mm. and am i open to growing and learning more about what is in me to be used mm. um and there's always some history there there's always something that's caused the hurt um or mm. caused shame or affected self-esteem so it's just being willing and, and able to work on that with somebody that you trust, that knows you and loves you and, mm -hmm. and wants to, to be that aid for the journey as well. 
brilliant. I think just on that, sorry, just because I just thought of a couple of things then when Lindsay was speaking. I think in terms of meeting with somebody, one of the biggest things for me in terms of actually tackling these types of things, because it is difficult, is actually just recognising what the what the things are that are causing it. Mm. And for me, actually having, we talked about self-awareness and becoming more self-aware. For me, when I understood what was causing me to feel my self-esteem issues, when I understood what was causing me to feel, and I've talked about this in the past, anxious and, and, and low, actually recognising those things. But there are some things in my life that I don't directly recognise and actually meeting up with somebody else mm -hmm. who knows me or just can listen to me speak and listen to me be honest about how I'm feeling, they can say, well, maybe it's this, mm -hmm. maybe it's this. And then recognising it is the start then of, of handling it and dealing mm -hmm. with it. Um, and some of those things are, like we talked about this a little bit with the social media one a few weeks back, some things are easy to deal with and quick fixes yeah. and some things take a little bit longer and, and they yeah. take, a, you know, a, a number of, you know, weeks or months to, to you know, even years to, to, to overcome. Um, yes, yeah, so I just, yeah, mm -hmm. just being aware of what it is that's actually causing, causing the issues and recognising them and listening to yourself. Mm -hmm. And getting out of that echo chamber where you're yeah. just doing it all in your own head. Yeah. yeah. How often do you think, sorry, how often do you think low self-esteem is because of experiences that we've been through? Is there a correlation between the two? Is it quite often linked? I think for me, it's all, that's a lot of what it is. <laughs> um, I think, again, um, so God's forgiveness for me is is absolutely huge to my self-esteem and I think you know I was thinking a lot when we, we talked about it when we were when we talked together um, a few weeks ago but, but just the idea the, the the phrase forgive and forget I've been mm -hmm. thinking about that quite a lot in my own in my own life and I know that's often used for when you forgive somebody else so you'll say I'll oh, forgive and forget you know and, and and the bible talks about love having no record of wrongs and I think actually us, we need to move on from what we've done, yeah. definitely. Um, but I think for me, some things in my life that have happened, it's not about forgetting them. It's just about not holding the guilt and the shame that came with it. Yeah. And I think for me, the forgiveness, God, that's what God's forgiveness does for mm -hmm. me. I can look back. So I remember years ago, um, I remember I said something really hurtful to my brother at a Christmas dinner and I, I took the mick out of him and he just burst into tears. And we'd normally laugh and joke all the time, but he just burst into tears. And I remember in that moment feeling dreadful. I just felt so awful. And for years, I carried the guilt of that around with me. It was a really small little thing, but for mm -hmm. years I carried the guilt around with me. Uh, with me. And we went on holiday. And I, this was probably six or seven years after it had happened. And I remember saying to my brother, like, it just came to me in that moment. We were, we were in the same room, just sort of uh, like unpacking our bags or something. And I said to him, do you remember when I said that to you? I've really felt bad about that for a long, long time. And he said, oh, I forgave you for that years ago. Like I hadn't even thought about it. And for me, the weight that that lifted, knowing that God had forgiven me that he was okay mm -hmm. and he didn't feel hurt by that anymore. The weight that lifted. Now, I haven't forgotten about that moment. I can mm -hmm. talk to you guys about it now mm -hmm. because I remember it and I don't want to ever behave like that again. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for me to remember that in yeah. a way, if that makes sense, so that I don't behave like that again. Mm -hmm. But actually what I don't carry around because of God's forgiveness in my life is the guilt and the shame. Mm -hmm. 
and the weight that that lifts from me. Um, so, yeah, for me, the experiences that I've had have definitely, it's all about what I've done, what I've said, what's happened in my life. That all piles on mm -hmm. and, and makes me think, you're a bad person. You don't yeah. do that well. People think this about you. So the role that God's forgiveness plays in my life is massive um, in terms of actually just freeing me from mm -hmm. the guilt and the shame mm -hmm. and the feeling, you know, not worthy. It stops that record in your mind yeah. of saying you're awful. Yeah. That's really helpful. And that tune can play out. It can still say you're awful, you're worthless, you're not as good as them. That comparison curse of judging yourself compared to somebody else yeah. feels great when you've come out high and it feels rubbish when you come out low. Yeah. And to come out high, you're standing on somebody else and tromping them down. So it's a, it's a vicious circle. But to be able to sort of take a distant view of that mm. and you know I often say to people these these are my glasses they belong to me if if I left them on the chair I don't think you'd carry on talking to them you know <laughs> you might get more sense out of them but you, no. you, you know you leaving them on the chair they would they're, no they're Lindsay's glasses they're not Lindsay mm. but they're great invention I use them every awaking hour of the day but if they're smeared then it's a warped view on the world. And to me, yeah. that's how my self-esteem is. Yeah. You know, when it's healthy, it's helping me see clearly mm. my limitations, mm. Sam's limitations, Sam's strengths, my yeah. strengths. And I can see that and celebrate what's going on for other people and own what's going on for me. Mm. But when my lens is smudged, warped, splattered on, then I'm going to be looking at those specks and looking through a Mm. a masked filter mm. a marred filter and that's where the work of knowing Jesus and, and working with God and being able to get that stuff cleaned off and even if it mm. gets mucky again the next day I think the whole thing about the number scale of I used to be a three and today I'm a seven is that when you when your self-esteem's healthier you don't stay stuck for a long period of time you've, yeah. you've got this ability to bob more freely and it's not actually a whole day it might be an hour where it's just taken a bit mm. of a nosedive mm. recognized it's smeared glasses polish them up a little yeah. bit remind myself i'm a work in progress i'm human yes, i'm yeah. forgiven and actually if i choose to listen to the rumination while i'm mindlessly doing something else i'm turning up the volume on that and i'm mm. focusing on that as if mm. it's the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth yeah but in the moment it was the truth yes and it's become absolute truth to me and it isn't absolute truth yes. it was a view in a moment yes. through warped lenses yes. so being able to say hang on a minute i'll get back to washing up and use my senses to get back inside mm. this moment and let mm. this stuff just play out because mm. my head will move on to something else in a minute mm. rather than getting stuck to it like velcro mm. just being able to stand and look apart at it and say mm. It's one of those days, is it, Linz? Yeah, mm. one of those stories of fear mm. of being found out. Okay, mm. just do it anyway. Mm. Just do it scared. Yeah. Do it brave, do it curious. Mm. Just do it anyway. Mm. That's really helpful. And I think, I think the thing about this smeared glasses and whatever, the thing that I find helpful is to say, I can't replace my smear with because you're worth it, because mm. some other sort of statement i need the objectivity of something that's external to me that's that's truthful so there are two things one is really good people but for me the other biggie is scripture mm. that for 
2,000 plus years, these words have stood there and there are two choices I make. Mm. I choose to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, it's because he loved me. Mm. I choose to believe that I'm loved. That I choose to believe that the Bible is right in saying I'm loved. And all the smear of how I feel about myself, I choose to believe I'm loved. Mm. And secondly, I choose to believe that I'm purposed. Mm. That there is a shape, a part of the body, a meaning to me having breath. Mm. And that therefore I have value. I'm valued because I'm loved and I'm valued because there's something for me to do with my shape. And those are external to how I feel or what other people are saying and they become my, my plumb line, my thing I hold on to. However I'm feeling about myself, I choose to believe I'm loved and I choose to believe I'm purposed, I'm called, mm. whatever. And I think the, the anonymous thing that we, the message that we have was brilliant in, in analyzing it as a, a habit and safer mm. and easier. That last phrase that they talked about just broke my heart. You know, when God was dishing out, the pot was empty. Mm. I choose to believe that that's not true. Mm. I choose to believe that that is a distortion of, because the Bible doesn't say it. Mm. And it's not because other people are telling me I'm nice or other people are telling me I'm good. Mm. I can always find a reason not to listen to other people. But for me, the Bible stands objective. I'm loved and I'm purposed. And even if you're not feeling it, then you, it, the, the thing about the choice is it leads you towards an invitation for behaviour. Mm. So if I'm not feeling that I am 10 out of 10. Mm. Mm. If I chose to believe it, and that is an action, it's a, an acceptance statement. It's, if, it, if it was true, how would I behave? And you can start to, mm. to move into that behavior. Yep. Yeah. And then you'll start to feel it. Yeah. You know, it's not faking it. It's saying that it, well, what if I did mm. believe I was unique for good reason? Mm. Yes. What if yeah. my fingerprints, my iris pattern, my DNA mm. was designed to be different to Donald? Mm. Then actually, I would be happy about doing things differently to him mm. rather than trying to emulate him and, and mm. doing a very poor Absolutely. job of that. Mm. So I think that it's a yeah. mental decision to follow a choice to believe this. And then you get curious about, and if I did, how might I behave today? Yeah. yeah. And stepping into that. Brilliant. We're moving into our, our last little mm. section as we're coming up with our top tips for how to build and improve on our self-esteem. And we've talked about this a bit, but Sam, I'm going to ask you just to talk about this a little bit more. Just the importance of faith in God and understanding who we are, who he has created us to be. Yeah. Just follow on from what these guys have been talking yes, about. Just, just as you guys were speaking then, I mean, this links in my mind, so forgive me if it doesn't link in anyone else's, but I think <laughs> there's, there's something going on in the world at the moment. I mean, we can call it whatever we want cancel culture or whatever we call it but this idea that you're defined by your last the last mistake that you made or the yeah. mistake that's become public yeah. and I think that there's a number of things that, that happens with that the first thing to say is that that is absolutely not the case with God that is not mm. the truth with God that you are not defined by your mistakes um, and I think that often when we feel like there's a, you know I, I kind of wrote down a few notes in prep for this and I was kind of trying to figure out in my mind, you know, we live in a world where we know that everybody makes mistakes. We say that all the time. Everybody makes mistakes. 
but we've got this kind of thing going on in the world at the moment where we're drawing out everybody's mistakes and almost like writing them off. Mm. So in a world where we live like that, it kind of makes me feel sometimes like we're left with a couple of options to, to, to be yeah, aware that we make mistakes or sometimes to kind of cover up that we make mistakes in order not to be called out and, and mm. then live a life that, that isn't true. And for me, just reading scripture and knowing what truth is and knowing where truth comes from. Uh, and Kathy, you mentioned Psalm 139 when we were prepping for this and, and just reading through Psalm 139 and understanding. I mean, you guys have said it all perfectly already, um, all the different kind of elements. Um, but this, the Psalm, I, I definitely recommend if you've, if you've got a Bible in your house to go away and, and, and to read this Psalm because it talks about God knowing us creating us and, and who we are um, and it's split kind of into four sections and the first section is about God basically seeing everything that we do mm. and, and it's written by a character in the Bible called David and David talks about God being able to see everything that he does he talks about seeing him sit down and stand up he talks about him you know you know where can I go from your presence mm -hmm. you're absolutely everywhere and you see everything that I do. So there's all seeing. And then the next bit, which I've just mentioned, which is, which is God being absolutely everywhere. Mm. And I think with those two things, knowing that God sees everything that we do, he hears every thought, he knows every thought before we've even thought it. He knows every word that's going to come out of our mouth before we've said it. And knowing that God is everywhere makes me feel more secure mm -hmm. uh, do you know what I mean it makes me feel like no matter what I say no matter what I think God knows it and he knows what's going on he mm -hmm. knows all those negative things that I'm thinking mm -hmm. about myself and he sees them and he hears them and I know that he feels differently about me and knowing that he's everywhere makes me feel like wherever I go whether it be work whether it be standing here at church preaching whether it be doing a youth group whether it be being at school whatever it is knowing that he's there with me and there is nowhere that I can go where he isn't gives me a feeling of, again, of confidence, of, of sureness. So there's the all-seeing, there's the all-being everywhere, um, the all-present is, is what I wrote down in my notes. And then there's the all-creative. The psalm starts talking about how God created us. It talks about God knitting us together in our mother's womb. And when, and you guys have said it all brilliantly, when we understand that God created us, it gives us that sense of unique purpose mm -hmm. and that sense of you were made for something that yeah. no one else in the world can give. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that when we understand that and God reveals that to us, that really changed my life. It's mm -hmm. like I don't need to pretend to be everybody else. Mm -hmm. I can be myself, you know, God's, mm -hmm. God's given me that. And then the last point, which I, ho I hope this makes sense, the, the last part of the psalm is about God's holiness. And David talks about in the psalm, God um, seeing the things in him that aren't good and, and looking into him and seeing those things. And that, again, that's a paraphrase of the scripture. And I do encourage you to go away and read it. But actually, I don't know how we can live with good self-esteem or a healthy self-esteem when we don't have a standard to live by mm. and I think for me being obedient to God and and wanting to live in the way that he wants me to live gives me a, a standard mm. 
and I can check myself against that standard. How am I doing? How yeah. am I living in this way? And if something's out of kilter, then I can start working on that yeah. and making it better. And, and somebody spoke to me years ago about this idea of having an audience of one mm. and, and God being that audience mm. and actually just concentrating on, well, just concentrate on how God wants you to be. Um, and, and then actually everything else will fall into place. So the idea of God being holy and us wanting to be obedient, obedient to him, some people might look at that and think, well, surely that affects your self-esteem if you, negatively, if, if you're not doing very well or whatever. But actually for me, I, when I look at the world's standards and I look at God's, I know that if I live by and try and live by God's standards, that actually that's going to really help and, and fulfil my self-esteem. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes no, sense. No, that's brilliant. But I think just yeah. living, trying to live in obedience to him really helps me know where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Lindsay, have you got a little illustration for us that you're going to leave with me afterwards? Well, you should say. <laughs> it's, it's old. Um, people have probably seen this a lot, but it really is worth repeating. Um, that this is a £10 note. We're not using a lot of cash at the moment because no. people don't like to accept it, but it's a £10 note, and we know it's £10 because of its colour, words, numbers. It actually says, I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of £10. I am the bearer. The promise comes from the Bank of England. So it's that sort of like, no matter what you might argue with me, between me and the Bank of England, this is worth £10. Now, even if I do this, which is hard with these new notes, but even if I do this and you can no longer see the words or the numbers or even the colour, it is still worth £10. It hasn't changed its worth. It's starting to probably feel a bit inferior to a brand new note. It's probably, probably starting to feel, will it ever get used? If I do this, it hasn't even got a bearer now, but I guess if we left the building, it kind of might not be here next week. Yeah, <laughs> somebody might just choose to adopt it. But even without being owned and um, in possession of, of somebody who really wants it, it, it is still down there and it is still worth 10 pounds. And even when it is downtrodden, underfoot, crushed, and out of view. It's still worth £10. Mm -hmm. And I can't do it with these, but the old ones, I could rip them, rip them in half and, and completely separate it out. But the thing that's, to me, the most powerful part of this story is that there is a number on here, AD 37049720, and that number is repeated on the other half. There's no other note in circulation with that number. And that is just a, a daily reminder of that nobody else will laugh like me, cry like me, have my DNA, my fingerprints, my iris patterns. And that is by design and not accident. I, I fully embrace the fact that I'm meant to be different. And sure, I've got scars. I've got mm. physical scars. I'll maybe show you one day. Mm. But I've got emotional scars. And sometimes they're on view and they tell a good story. This note has just been through some tough times in the last two minutes. It's not looking how it was, but it's, it's, it's got a story to tell because of that. But fundamentally, its worth hasn't changed. Yes. And so my self-esteem can go up and down, 
but I do know that I'm 10 out of 10. Mm. Yeah. And even to be able to say that on stage, not knowing who's listening, who's <laughs> judging me, <laughs> yep. I just know, and I will argue it, that I know I am 10 out of 10. I don't feel it, but if I chose to d today to believe that I am worth that to God, then that's what brings me here tonight. Yes. Yeah. Not because suddenly I feel... I know I've got the answers and I can yes. do it and my ego's involved. Yes. I will do it on based on my worth yes. and not my view yes. of myself. Brilliant. Last top tips for helping us to build our self-esteem. What would you say? Anyone for anything? I think um, to recognise that low self-esteem will encourage you to forget the things that would be helpful to be remembering. So forget the things that you are actually good at. We, we underplay them because we're good at them. So surely everybody, it's no big deal, no biggie. Mm -hmm. That's actually a sign. It's one of your strengths. If you go to thank somebody for something and they say, oh, no problem, I'll do it. It's easy, is it? Okay, that's a strength for you then. Mm -hmm. um, but low self-esteem. So it makes us forget the things that we could do well to remember, but it kind of makes us remember the things we would also do well to just let go of. Yes. Uh, those mistakes, yes. those things that weren't our finest moment. And to just say, I'm human mm. and I am a work in progress. So to take a real light touch to that. Mm. Um, and that's how you can start moving on from this moment, regardless of what your filter on the world mm. is, is like or how it's been damaged and what mm. you've been through. Mm. And this whole thing about don't try and eliminate thoughts. Don't try and do the positivity battle of just believe in yourself and have a mantra and recite mm. it to yourself 10 times in the mirror in the morning. Mm. I don't actually buy into that. Mm. I think just let those negative thoughts pass on by their will. Yep. Change your relationship with them. Yep. Don't try and control them. Yep. Don't try and suppress them. That's a sure way to depression. Yep. Just let them bubble on by mm -hmm. and choose to be back in this moment and deciding in terms of what's important to you, what's valuable to you, what fires you up, what makes you angry. They're all the things that show your values. Mm. Start to make some steps towards those mm. in your day mm. and accept your humanity and your vulnerable mm. frailty in that. Mm. Brilliant. Brilliant. My top two tips would be, one, Ebby, absolutely ruthlessly eliminate voices that are critical. If that means coming off social media, if that means hardly listening to your parents as an adult, I'm not talking to teenagers, I'm talking to adults. If you've got parents that are constantly critical, stop listening. And I have this Teflon thing we've talked about before that I, I know that you're speaking to me, but I'm deciding I'm not going to hear those words. Surround yourself with people who are not critical. That's what my, mm -hmm. my top tip is. It's just, that means there are critical people that I live amongst, but I've recognised these are critical people and, mm. I, and I don't need to hear that. I don't mm. need to follow them. I don't need to have them comment to me. I don't need to take on board that. If they are my, in my family, then I, try, I need to try, not that they are in my family, I don't have that but I, I know that that's an issue for lots and lots and lots and probably that's the biggest place of critical voices is in our family mm. is we've got to find a way to say my mum or my dad or my brother or my sister, are, my kids are critical of me and that's not healthy for me. So I need to not 
have nothing to do with them, but I silence, I need to stop listening to those voices. Mm. And, and that maybe is a whole session on how we do that. And my second top tip is to choose to be a person that builds other people's mm. self-esteem. That if you choose to say, I'm going to be an encourager, you will find that other encouragers come closer to you. And if you choose to be a person that in your family builds people up, doesn't point out the negative, chooses to act with mercy to other people's failings, if you choose to become that kind of person, you'll find that you hear those voices from others. If you choose to be critical, you get it back. Mm. If you choose to be encouraging, you'll get it back. Mm. Those are my top two tips. And to turn that in on yourself, that, self -com that compassion that you can extend to other people and give them mm. the word of encouragement to speak truth into their lives, to hold that mirror up and say, I see this in you. Yeah. We can do that for other people and, and the invitation is, can you do that for yourself mm. then? Can you, mm. that self-compassion that says, do you know, you're trying your best yeah. and that's okay for today. Yes. With your limited resources, with whatever, that's enough and you yes. are enough. And to believe that you're good, full stop, enough, yes. rather than on good enough. No, yes. you're good, full stop, yeah, enough, move on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Brilliant. Any more for any more? Yeah, I think I was just going to say, I mean, it's very similar. Just talk to people. I think yeah. talk to people that you can be honest with, that can be honest with you. Um, I think it seems to be an issue that particularly affects men, potentially sometimes young men, to not want to talk about emotions because we feel like it makes us weak or something. Yeah. But I think for me, yeah, just being able to be open and honest with people, I think for me that's been the biggest thing for me that has really helped me, just speaking things out and letting people know how I'm feeling. Mm. Mm. It's a big thing. Well, your honesty has uh, gone as uh, a comment. So someone's <laughs> messaged in, I found what Sam said about forgiving ourselves for things we've said or done that was hurtful to someone else. I need to learn from some things and move on. Mm. So someone's found that incredibly helpful. And then the anonymous person, uh, heartfelt thank you for your contributions tonight. You have given me a ray of hope to cling on to. And then I'd just I have like to add that the, um, there's a lovely verse in Psalm 141 about asking God to set a guard over your mouth. And uh, yeah, that person was very brave coming yes. in and, and, and articulating yes. and putting voice to those. So they've mm. dealt with the solitude side of it tonight already, which is brilliant. Mm. But then ask God to just be that watch doorkeeper over this mm. that you know we can't control the thoughts but we do get to decide what we let out yeah. mm. and I think that's a really helpful first stage is to say I choose to not speak that stuff out anymore it's not to silence it it's to process it and only let words that will bring me life and bring me joy about myself that I would say to somebody else who I loved mm. and, and have that dialogue for myself. Mm. So we try and drop the, I'm rubbish at that. I'll say yeah. I wasn't my finest moment. Yeah. It's not my favoured room. Yes. But just to lose the labels that just, I'm such an idiot. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a great decision I made, but I've learnt from it. Mm. So really inviting God to be that sort of mm. doorkeeper, mm. keeping a watch over our mouth and Absolutely. starting with the language that we use, I think is really, really important. Mm. That's really helpful. That's brilliant. Uh, Nikki Cleave, um, the conversation makes brilliant sense. Thank you. Um, I think you guys have made brilliant sense. I think mm. it's been a real privilege we could sit and chat here all night because this is something that's really on all of our hearts and and 
we're really passionate about. But I'm so grateful that you've given us the time and for your honesty, for all that you've shared, but also just the insight that you've brought. Um, this is going to be a video, so this will go out on Saturday and also a podcast. So folks that have been watching it might want to just check back or they might know somebody that's struggling point them in this direction because this has been really really helpful practical and spiritual advice on this whole thing so thank you for coming along and donald thank you too it's just been amazing to have you with us and your wisdom and your insight and everything else yeah, it's my self-esteem thank you <laughs>